Hi everyone, it's Joaki Makren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In this podcast episode, I'm talking with Pierce Kicks, an investor at Delphi Digital and at Beatcraft Ventures, where he's investing in crypto gaming. In this discussion, we talk about how the gaming community is embracing blockchain. What are the differences between traditional gaming teams and crypto teams making these games? And how Pierce evaluates investing in blockchain gaming. The dilemma at the heart of mobile gaming. Monetizing your great work while keeping gamers engaged and not distracted by intrusive ads. Well, our partners on this podcast have a very clever solution. AudioMob delivers in-game audio ads so that game developers can monetize their players without interrupting gameplay. Audio ads are better at retaining happy gamers than video ads and can actually work alongside video ads too. This is all the while having much higher CPMs than banner ads, up to 600% higher. AudioMob's Unity plugin is simple to set up. It can take just minutes, allowing complete privacy control, and you can even reward players for extra gratification. Simple, clever, and rewarding. Go to audiomob.com for details and to speak to the team. All right, Pierce, we're live. Welcome to the podcast. Very excited to be here. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I listened to many episodes over the years. So, uh, so yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's really good to have a long-time listener, first-time guest on. It's good. Good times. Hey, let's kick it off. Can you can you tell me how you made your way into investing into gaming? Yeah, I guess it was probably a bit of a, a sort of a unconventional path in that it was never really, uh, I never really realized it was going to sort of happen the way it did. Grew up just playing a lot of video games. It's kind of how I, you know, learned about a lot of different topics around computers and whatnot. It's ultimately what sort of got me into, into crypto as well through RuneScape. Was pretty early to the, to the crypto thing, sort of watched it all unfold growing up, was keeping an eye on it. And then back into 2017, when there was that crazy kind of run up and whatnot, I was still sort of studying computer science and philosophy at university. And I don't know, I'd been spending enough time in this space, like felt a certain sense of urgency for obvious reasons, ended up basically um, dropping out of university, met two investors based out of Spain, and they asked me to go and run some money for them, which obviously I didn't hesitate to do, learned a lot in doing so kind of jumping in at the deep end. And that was just much broader across the board with crypto. Back then, you know, obviously, it was just crypto kitties starting out, crypto gaming wasn't really a thing. But over the years, yeah, my kind of journey took me from from that company that I was running. It's ultimately sort of teaming up with the Delphi Digital guys. We kind of combined forces to launch the venture arm of uh, that whole entity. And with that, you know, there had been like the, the research business there had sort of covered Axie very early on. Delphi was involved in, in sort of designing the token economics of Axie, sort of building out the governance token and whatnot. And so at that point, we were all spending sort of a lot more time focused on this sector. And things obviously started to develop sort of meaningful momentum in the past couple of years and in, in the crypto gaming sort of intersection. 
given that I'd kind of like grown up spending so much time gaming, it was very much what I was most passionate about, you know, played played some some games pretty competitively back in the day, you know, I just sort of naturally gravitated towards it. And so, yeah, I've been covering the kind of gaming and NFT side of things for, for Delphi for a while. And then as we ramped up the fund operations, kind of just naturally sort of emerged into that. And then, yeah, obviously that's sort of a journey has kind of become a bigger and bigger part of what I focus on now sitting across both sort of Bitcraft and Delphi as well. Obviously Bitcraft, big sort of traditional game investor. So I've learned a lot about how this whole world functions through over the kind of last year of, of working with those guys too. Perfect. Yeah. This is like, got so crazy at the end of 2021, the whole boom with the the crypto gaming stuff and it's still continuing. So I, I was just checking my email and somebody was saying like, yeah, hey, Remember we pitched you early last year. We we just raised 20 million from the community or something. Yeah, it's so fun times. What do you think are the important considerations to be taken into account when getting involved in crypto? I think right off the bat, you know, you got to acknowledge that a lot of the models and sort of like frameworks are still very much being figured out, right? Obviously, the sort of like entrepreneurial journeys always sort of, you know, there's lots of ups and downs and lots of moving parts to sort of like figure out, but we still very much are at a time where, you know, the ground shifting beneath your feet, like this entire sector is evolving with such, you know, astonishing speed, you know, the risk of some large scale smart contract exploit wiping out half of the stuff out there or, you know, regulatory sort of pressure, you know, that we might not sort of anticipate. Like there are a lot of things that can go badly wrong here. So I think, first of all, like that's a, you know, you've got to be very upfront and transparent about that, you know, let alone the fact that obviously like, you know, gamer communities right now are expressing total resentment of all of these things. Like it's a very sort of a polemical mercurial thing to be toying with. But I think it's also one of the most incredibly exciting times, right? On the flip side of that, like being part of this whole movement, kind of, you know, all of this sort of momentum that's being built. It's an incredibly fun time to be engaged and be trying to figure these things out. I think one of the things that like having spoken to a bunch of founders moving from the traditional game space into crypto that they're all so shocked by is just like the insanely collaborative nature of this entire sector, right? Like everyone genuinely wants to share learnings and help each other out because, this kind of like zero sum thinking which has dominated not just like traditional gaming and stuff but like you know web 2 more broadly isn't really present here in, in sort of web 3 and crypto right everyone genuinely believes what we're building is like way bigger than you know what's come before it and that there's sort of like plenty for everyone so you know i also spend a chunk of my time sort of sitting on the board for the for the blockchain game alliance where you know we do exactly that we try and promote healthy positive conversation you know host uh, discussions across different sectors, different projects that are building, you know, building in different areas, put together like a sort of blockchain game industry report a couple of times a year. So yeah, I think that's one of the one of the interesting things, you know, about this space for sure. What do you think about these seasoned game developers doing blockchain games versus having that like team of decentralized finance gurus coming in and starting making games? What what, what kind of products do you think will emerge from those two different factions or or do we even need to talk about like, are there differences there? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Like from what I've observed, like both sides seem to overemphasize their respective domains, right? It's a tricky one to answer because like obviously in an ideal world, it's like a symbiosis, right? Like a team would have strong crypto competence and a strong background in traditional gaming. And, you know, there's there's people that sort of satisfy that very well. And those are the teams that we're kind of excited to back. But um, I mean, my gut feel is that in the near term, I'm actually pretty excited about people that do lean slightly more crypto native, largely for the reason that very experienced game developers who are coming in, building out these sort of like AAA titles that are very polished, that are a significant step up from a gameplay perspective over anything else we've seen so far. 
that takes time, right? To build good games at that kind of scale, it takes time and that's cool. Like I'm excited for those to come to market, but there's like this new breed of, you know, crypto game, crypto sort of like game, sort of like player archetype too, who love the like sort of minimum viable game concept, right? Where people would like ship a concept to a community with like a core gameplay loop and, you know, attract this early organic player base and basically move really quickly, innovating on different mechanics, sort of like layering it up and, you know, have this strong, incredibly like fast community feedback loop of people who, once again, like the power of token economics and giving ownership to players in these networks is they're on your team, right? They're like very much aligned. They want to see this project succeed. And so you have people that are incredibly passionate spending 20 hours a day in a discord, like trying to help you as the developer refine what's working and what's not. So I actually think like on the crypto native side, we're seeing, as I say, faster iteration. These people have a better understanding of the technology available. And so like in terms of new mechanics that are being explored, for example, some of the stuff folks are starting to toy with are things like, you know, no loss esports tournaments, right? Where everyone stakes an amount of capital, that capital is sort of lent out on a DeFi lending protocol. And obviously the accrued interest over the duration of the tournament is the payout. Like there's just no way like traditional developers are even thinking about this stuff unless they've like spent time in crypto, right? So that's one example, you know, there's stuff going on, like on the on-chain gaming side, things like Dark Forest, which is super exciting to me, which unless you're deeply in the weeds of crypto, you'd never even think, you'd never even understand how to like build, you know, this stuff actually on-chain. Obviously it's a super lightweight game. We can't really build any sort of meaningful complexity around these things just yet. But like, that's one of the areas of experimentation that excites me enormously on the like sort of five, 10 year trajectory. The idea that you can build and release, you know, a game economy, on this distributed global compute network that can never be shut down or interfered with or anything. Like it's all hosted fully on chain. Like that's a really cool idea. It's like some sci-fi shit. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And those are the kind of things that obviously, again, like the traditional game developers probably aren't going to be the best at, but on the flip side, the big AAA stuff, that's going to be really exciting. That's going to come over the next two, three years. Like that's the stuff that the crypto native developers are probably, you know, not going to succeed in. So I think they're going to appeal to different player types. I think they're going to build different types of games. I'm super excited to see a, you know, very varied and colorful universe of crypto infused games. So I'm all for everyone participating. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess it's worth drawing like uh, attention to also the, the, that kind of intersection on the Venn diagram, as I say, like the as and when you can find that symbiosis, it's awesome. There's a there's a team we back called Laguna Games, led by Aaron, who are building crypto unicorns as their first product. And, and these guys are an example of, you know, awesome game developer pedigree. They really get it, have thought through this economy and how it's designed so well, but also is like quite obviously a total degen and had been, you know, yield farming all of last all of last year or 20, whenever the hell it was, DeFi summer. But yeah, I mean it's great to see when you find this. There's so much there to unpack. I, I think one of the topics that I'm very curious about coming from a free-to-play background is the guilds of of the the, the DeFi space, the, the gaming guilds that are forming. What are these blockchain guilds and what could their role be in the, the future for gaming? I'm actually wearing my Yield Guild shirt now, so uh, so it's very fitting. <laughs> Good. But, so yeah, the, the, the guilds basically emerged out of around Axie Infinity. As the game evolved and this you know player base was sort of growing, it became prohibitively expensive for your typical user to enter the game because you need to buy three Axies in order to have a team to play the game, right? Those axes were going up and up in price and, you know, your sort of average user wouldn't be able to sort of overcome those barriers to entry. So quickly there emerged this concept of the scholarship model, right, where someone who owns these assets would lend them out to a player 
the player would deploy them, you know, in the relevant game context. They'd make a bunch of, you know, money in the game and they basically retain like 70% of that profit, like 20, and then the rest would go to the person who lent them the assets, right? So Yield Guild was the first sort of play to earn gaming guild that realized that there was like, you know, astronomical demand for this and formalized operations around basically doing a large scale sort of, you know, scholarship campaign. And that was like a, a really, really interesting idea to us. I mean, we, we sort of did the seed at Delphi and then also led the A at Bitcraft ultimately. But that idea that, you know, you have perhaps sort of a cash rich, but time poor whales, and then you have the sort of time, time rich and cash poor players, realizing that you could kind of mediate between the two is a super interesting model. And so we were super excited to sort of work around that. And Basically, it's pretty. It's evolved pretty dramatically since then. Like the scholar operations are still still a core part of most of these guild offerings. But essentially, what happens is when you amass a massive player base who are you know crypto literate and understand how these games work, you basically command significant power in the market, right? Because from a developer perspective, if I can engage a guild that has a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand users that understand how to play these games and basically use them as like my one of my user acquisition tools effectively, right? If I can go to Yield Guild and convince them my game's worthy of them <laughs> and they start deploying assets um, and users in this economy, like it's a really interesting model. And so these have now evolved um, quite substantially beyond that to the point where effectively guilds are operating as large scale, like not just player allocators, but also capital allocators, right? Most of these guilds have acquired or will have raised sort of meaningful sums of money, both from the community and sort of private investors and now effectively accumulate assets in these new game economies that they deem to be promising. And then, you know, after doing that, obviously, once the game launches, um, match those assets with users to go and deploy on behalf of the guild in these economies. I think the longer term outlook for this model is like super fascinating. Once you have these large scale player and capital collectives allocating resources across, you know, multiple virtual economies, I think it does like a pretty a pretty interesting tweak to the traditional like audience developer dynamic like they're almost like you know big unions of players who who actually command meaningful weight across these economies and that's not in like a, a mercenary sense or anything like that it's actually usually a really nice symbiotic relationship where you know these guilds are advising on core gameplay mechanics they're providing invaluable like player feedback from people that can you know make references to other games and what they've seen and so I'm super excited about the longer term trend here. Your guild is definitely very dear to my heart. I think all the team and sort of what they've accomplished are absolute beasts. But I mean, there's literally thousands of guilds have cropped up at this point. We had things like Merit Circle raise like $100 million in like five minutes from a public sale or something crazy. It's all pretty exciting. Let's see uh, Let's see where it goes. The whole guild model is super fascinating because it's hard to understand what the venture-backed guild journey looks like from... Like you raise the funding, what do you do? Are you recruiting players? Are you, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot there, right? I mean, a lot of people are sort of like building out core like technology in terms of scholarship, you know, payroll management, things like that. Obviously it's scaling operations into these games. So it's pretty hard to onboard like tens of thousands of scholars, match them up with the assets. Like there's a big e educational component to it. Obviously all of these things now have their own venture arms, teams of analysts going and looking at new games, like which are going to make the most sense to incorporate. And then there's really cool stuff like, you know, Yield Guild has this sort of sub down model, right? Where it's basically building this network of partners across the globe. So instead of like, you know, obviously to scale effectively, you need to be able to like divide and conquer. So finding strong partners in Africa and in India in LATAM, like it's pretty awesome seeing this like, yeah, global map of like interlinked guilds emerging that will sort of like share learnings and resources in some capacity. Yeah, I don't know, exciting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what one 
of course, aspect, which is super exciting, is all the games that are coming out. So a couple of ones that I've been curious about is this one called Panzer Dogs from uh, a Dutch developer called Lucky Cat Games, who were a hyper-casual mobile games developer, done really good early minting of their characters for the game. I think the game is now coming out soon. And then you have Crypto Raiders, which is more from that DeFi background versus like existing game developers. Is there differences there regarding the model that you want to follow for sustainability? I've got to admit, I'm not actually too familiar with the Panzer Dog side. I'll, I'll do some do some homework after this. But the Crypto Raiders model is, is one that I'm, I'm super familiar with and like very, very, very impressed by on the whole. I think it's like, you know, I described that new sort of <clears throat> breed of game developer and also audience. Like there is a new audience for crypto games. I firmly believe that. I think we've seen that demonstrated uh, like time and time again. And I don't know, this feels like the the quintessential crypto game, right? They, 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 refused to raise any money off the bat you know they started sort of like building out this core gameplay loop sort of you know it's like a, a dungeon raider that's kind of playing on nostalgic elements from world of warcraft and things like that and i mean they basically seen this insanely sort of organic growth where they bootstrapped a super strong community by consistently delivering value to them as the game's grown you know those people are like hyper hyper aligned with that game again i, I gave the example earlier of people sitting in discords all day that couldn't be true for crypto raiders and yeah like i think that's a, again a great example of something that's you know pretty lightweight the way it's actually like built and the way they're actually sort of coding it it lends itself now that they've established the core gameplay loop that people are coming back for time and time again it lends itself are really nice to sort of layering things on top of it right like um testing out new mechanics and getting that sort of user feedback so you know they're driving sort of value to nfts with mobs there's experimenting with some like pvp mechanics and whatnot i think it's it's just yeah super well designed from the from the token economy perspective they've done very well at bootstrapping that like strong community of supporters early on and yeah i'm excited to see where they go but once again not not too familiar on the panzer dog side so can't comment yeah we can do another one where we go through more games let's do it yeah. It also feels like there's a lot of these gamified apps that are getting a new meaning because of crypto. Like you have all the possible assets there. You can do play and earn. What are some of the interesting gamified apps projects that you've been seeing that you're pumped up about? Just so we're on the same page, like what's an example of a, of a gamified app that you're like alluding to? Yeah, there's like, I was checking out one app that's doing like, you're basically play, paying the the stock market on you know fantasy stock market trading, and then they're doing that with crypto assets. That was pretty interesting. Oh yeah, so so there's lots of these. There's like this kind of notion of like gamefi, right, where you can come up with like a thinly veiled. These basically these are basically economic games with like a thin gameplay veil on top of them. Um, there are projects like DeFi Kingdoms that are super cool. I'd recommend people check out that are good examples of these, but. Totally. I think like there is, you know, demand for these kind of real money games, if you like, right, where people actually can participate in sort of like meaningful economic upside if they like play these well. I think, yeah, we've seen them demonstrated pretty, pretty strongly so far. I think, yeah, the DeFi Kingdom stuff is cool. There's projects like World Wide Web that are launching that's like, I'm going to use quotation marks here because I hate using metaverse in this context, but like a 2D social metaverse, right? So basically just a 2D virtual world. But in there, there's like, you know, they basically built out like a, a sort of a Smash Bros style, like very 
lightweight game, but people can basically wager each other like NFTs on, right? So you can like stake your assets, you can stake crypto as well. Those kind of things are pretty interesting to see. But I do believe there's like a, an audience, you know, there's a, a player type that wants to combine skill and luck <laughs> in order to like earn in these games. I'm excited about the about the design space, but I'm spending most of my time, I've got to say, on more like cool gameplay stuff versus just the, the GameFi aspect of things. But don't doubt we'll see some cool stuff there. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I wanted to ask you about the investing side a bit, like where you're spending your time there. Like when you're investing in teams that are doing blockchain crypto projects, what matters the most when developing that conviction to invest? Yeah. First of all, like obviously like a genuine connection to these people and being able to like kind of see um, where their sort of heart really lies. I think it's immediately obvious when someone's like, you know, really genuinely bought into the like longer term broader vision of what's happening here right and when we discuss the sort of notion of like the open versus closed metaverse which i think is going to be this massive battle that's going to play out over the next decade like when someone's here because they're excited about it and they have a compelling vision for like how to actually integrate these technologies to unlock like a fundamentally cool experience that they feel like they couldn't do elsewhere that versus people that are like you know, oh shit, crypto games are pumping. Let's uh, smack NFTs on something. It's so obvious, like when there's that real passion there. So for me, that's like definitely the biggest one. Obviously, like building in crypto is like a pretty different beast to, to most other places. So like if, like, even if it's not game related, like just having experience, having tried to like, you know, do some NFT drops or this, that and the other, having some experience of like actually being in the market is always super useful. And then, yeah, I mean, like I kind of alluded to it earlier, like uh, just for teams that do have that complementary skill sets, right? You have some great game designers and then some wicked crypto tech head who like gets it and can help you know steer the ship from that perspective i think that kind of definitely helps but yeah i think definitely this super compelling vision side of things is is what really grips me there's a few teams we back like there's one that's just announced called nor that i strongly recommend uh checking out led by a guy called brooks brown who's like just this incredible first principles thinker like he's literally approaching and leveraging this crypto tool set in a way that nobody else is yet so i'm super excited to see how things like that play out awesome can you talk more about the funds that you represent like what does delphi invest in and how is it different to bitcraft what do you do with like your role at bitcraft then Sure. So we actually are super aligned across both funds on the gaming side. Uh, we have a strategic partnership between both whereby we effectively kind of like do every deal together or, or most deals together. And the whole rationale behind that was we sort of um, combine the crypto native expertise of Delphi with the uh, sort of strong games background of Bitcraft. And we think it provides a pretty comprehensive offering to the founders we're backing. It's been working very nicely so far. And then we're both like pretty meaningful stakeholders in Yield Guild. I mentioned earlier, you know, we did the seed and the A respectively. We've, they're a very close ally of ours as well. We, we tend to, there's like, we call it the Trinity, right? We have the crypto, we have the gaming, and then we have like pretty much the largest play to earn gaming guild. And like when we, you know, combine forces and look at deals together, we, we feel like we're, you know, covering pretty much every base founder could want, right? You've got that early source of player liquidity. You've got Yield Guild that actually seeds the uh, economy on the actual NFT and asset side by building up land and assets like that. And then you've got, you know, Delphi's obviously super strong on, on like the token engineering, the tokenomics side. That's very much the core competence. And then, yeah, I mean, Bitcraft just obviously crashes it on the game side, which is uh, which is always nice. And so that's kind of how we're, we're set up at the moment and, and, and looking at this. Then thinking about the, the whole situation there where like from my background is I'm so... Uh, used to looking at like how you're like splitting equity between the team between your investors founders advisors how does that differ when when it 
comes into these token rounds? Like, is it very different? Like, what's the good mix there for team investors community? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I can't stress enough, like how important it is to get this side of things right. Because once a token's in the wild, you can never take it back, right? There are, there are some doors you walk through that you'll never be able to return from. And this is one of them. But I think like generally, you know, we're at the point where it's pretty clear that sort of community should be prioritized. Generally speaking, as a high, high level rule of thumb, you know, like 50% of your token supply is going to go to the community across different initiatives, right? That might be sort of, you know, play to earn stuff, might be the treasury, might be like staking, might be play to earn rewards, things like that. But in some form or another, around 50% is going to be going to the community. I'd say like the the sort of average, the, the kind of range you're looking at for like team allocations is sort of like 15 to 20%. We're at the stage now, like most of the get, like specific, like, you know, game launches is probably averaging around 17% going to team. And then similarly, it's like sort of 15, 20% range for investor and advisor bucket, but also averages out probably around 17% there. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously the ownership, the target ownership dynamics in a crypto network are very, very different to like an equity cap table, right? It's one thing that a lot of founders like find a bit weird to get their heads around once they move into the space. It's like, you know, this is my project where I've got this like tiny percentage of the network, but you've got to understand that like with the liquidity and the kind of network effects, these things grow so much bigger, so quicker. And then like on top of that, you know, it's just being super mindful of like the, you know, investors you do bring in early on. Obviously there's been so much hype. There's been so much money flowing into the space that there are some like, uh, I mean, especially, you know, the last sort of six, nine months, like a lot of like opportunistic capital here when things get shitty, which they do in markets like these, like we obviously we've had a pretty big drawdown. And like if these were to sustain for, you know, one or two years, like you want to be very, very confident that there's not someone just waiting to dump your token on, on like the token cap table. Right. Because that's just like obviously not useful. So, yeah, got to got to be super focused on omitting any kind of original sin with these networks. Do you have any other advice for founders thinking about the token, like, you know, allocations, like what matters early on? What what should you be paying attention to when things start rolling? There's community and things like that. I think just generally it's like, don't rush the token. A lot of people feel like this really burning urge, like especially when the markets are frosty, they're like, ah, oh, like, you know, we want to capitalize upon this, on this like market dynamic right now. Like we're kind of worried that investor demand might drop away for our public sale or whatever. I, yeah, I can't stress enough. Like just don't rush the token. Like there's plenty of time to figure it out. And like, um, a token's an incredibly powerful tool that like whilst you're executing on your roadmap, you know, building that community, getting them aligned. Like if you can distribute distribute it to the uh, target audience, like, you know, in the run up as you execute along your roadmap, like by the time your game launches, you could have, you know, this massive army of people who are sort of like aligned with your success and, and sort of, you know, want to be part of the whole thing. So I definitely think that's one of the more sort of interesting aspects of it. But yeah, my advice would be don't rush it, find the right partners who can help you think through it properly. It's not like, you know, oh, this is the Axie model we're going to just rename AXS and SLP and like, you know, everything's highly contextual. It depends on what you're trying to achieve, what the game is, what the gameplay loops are. Like these things need to be pretty deeply considered. So, yeah. Do you think that there isn't a playbook yet that is changing constantly? Yeah, very much so. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, give it a few yeah. years and we'll probably have, you know, like sort of sort of more robust and, 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 and formal models. Like I think we have like a pretty high level notion that, you know, the sort of dual token models, um, if executed properly, is like a pretty sensible way to go. I think, you know, the idea of like a governance token effectively, whereby, you know, fees captured from the in-game marketplace are flowing to an on-chain treasury. And holders of this token basically have a say over how that stuff gets allocated. Like that's a good model. I think if you conflate, you know, governance power, but basically you want to have an instrument that is designed for value accrual, right? 
And if like a lot of people are trying to like still figure out like a single token model, but I don't know, generally speaking, it feels pretty hard and introduces like a lot of complexity there. Cause I don't know how you sort of price stuff in your economy. If like, you know, the sole asset is like going up or down all the time. So, so yeah, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Got to bear in mind, like even all the sort of, you know, free to play best practices and mobile best practices took a lot longer than how many, you know, years it's been in crypto gaming to formulate. So I'm excited to, to, to hopefully, you know, contribute to that over the next few years and, and, and figure out you know what the playbook is yeah definitely question on like since we're both actively doing stuff with like in venture funds what is hard about communicating your thesis to to lps to limited partners and keeping them updated when this whole industry is moving so fast and the dynamics are changing and you need to be reacting to things like how does that work yeah. So I should clarify, like on the Delphi side, we never actually raised any external capital. We're just like a pure prop fund. So started that like two two years ago almost now, I think. Obviously on the Bitcraft side, yeah, have have a bunch of a uh, bunch of very cool backers. But I think as you say, space is moving so fast, like it's hard enough to keep up with your own thoughts and distill it all down into actionable stuff, let alone sort of communicating, you know, consistently sort of to LPs and whatnot. At Bitcraft, we host like biannual LP updates where we, you know, do like a big summit and basically, you know, spend a pretty, pretty considerable time um, putting all of that stuff together and yeah, give sort of, you know, snapshots of where the market's at and where we think it's going. And so that's actually a pretty useful cadence to work around because it gives you time to like, you know, reflect on the last six months and sort of crystallize it into the most relevant things i think more broadly like on on the delphi side with you know the teams at like 85 people now for those that don't know there's like a research business there's a labs division which does project incubation and helps with token design and then there's the venture fund and across all of those there's like a pretty pretty major sort of hive mind that like you know even the peripheral aspects which aren't directly gaming like we see everything going on in crypto basically. And so, you know, staying as close as you can to kind of the cutting edge of the market is pretty important. I think, you know, like you do with your podcast and hosting podcasts and having conversation with folks is is, is really, you know, good way to do that as well. And then, yeah, obviously there are some LPs like probably like have a higher touch relationship with. There's a few folks that are like actively investing themselves, angel investing, whatever. And those folks like, you know, it's actually useful in a reciprocal capacity to chat to an ongoing basis and see, see where their head's at and what they're seeing and whatnot. So it varies it varies quite a bit hey pierce before we go to these final questions that i usually ask i wanted to ask you what are the challenges right now in crypto gaming in general for the developers maybe then here from your side of things as well i mean the developer experience continues to suck by all accounts that's definitely one right there's like material friction we're coming and like building in this space where there's just like none of the you know in traditional you know development we've had like decades of tooling you know getting sort of refined that's like totally a miss here so i mean that side of things sucks but it's just something that you know for those brave enough to wade into the arena at this stage they're going to have to deal with i would say that there are um certain like certain technologies starting to emerge that can alleviate some of that like if you're not going super deep writing like custom smart contracts and stuff you know there are project there are abstraction layers like stardust emerging that basically just have you know a, a really clean api that on the back end has integrated you know multiple of the major sort of relevant chains and so so that can make it a bit easier for people to get involved, but definitely the developer UX is still one. I think at a broader level, obviously seeing all the backlash from traditional game, you know, namely the sort of Ubisoft, the Discord stuff. Like, in fact, there's now about 15 cases of people say, announcing plans and having to go back on them because the community freaked out. That frustrates me because this technology ultimately is genuinely to the user's benefit. I think the models and ideas that we're unlocking, you know, the notion of actual, you know, asset ownership, governance power, like 
I don't know. It frustrates me that people can't yet see that this is genuinely a better model once we figure it out to its you know, fullest form. I think, yeah, the educational aspect is one that frustrates me a lot. I'd like to see a lot more, you know, constructive discourse from it. And like, obviously you have these super vocal communities, which which like spook developers and publishers and people that genuinely were like, actually like, let's try this, let's explore it. And they need to, you know, go back on that basically because of these uh, very loud people screaming on Twitter and Reddit and wherever. So the education aspect is actually one of the massive ones, but I'm not too worried about that because I think when we build and deliver experiences that are like so self-evidently better, it'll happen, right? Like people, people will, will, will figure all of that out. And then I also think like one of the one of the big ones I'm, you know somewhat concerned about is just the regulatory side of things obviously the pace the explosion that's just happened is like super exciting on the one hand but if like from a regulator's perspective when they feel like things are getting away from them like you know if you look historically there soon follows like relatively heavy-handed you know regulatory oversight and I'm under no illusions, like obviously the vast majority of economic activity is going to happen in regulated markets like I get that but I am concerned that this might overextend and make it, you know, even more of a chore for people building in this space. So I think we've got a few head headwinds around that stuff. I think obviously there's the like broader crypto UX problem, uh, which is no secret at this stage. But I don't know. I'm I'm over the last two years, literally the smartest people on the planet in their respective domains have started moving into this space. Like I I would never bet against human ingenuity. I'm very confident we're going to solve all of those types of technological problems. Like we're already starting to see, you know, materially enhanced UX and whatnot. So that kind of stuff, whilst obviously it's a, a still a problem, it's, it's not one that concerns me as much as the others. Hey, Piers, final questions for you. What's your favorite book and why? My favorite book, I've had to do this exercise before where I had to distill it down to one, but obviously there's multiple that have really stuck with me. But if it had to be one, it's a, a book called Star Maker by Olaf Stapledon. It was uh, it was written in the 1930s and it's sci-fi, like I'm a big, big sci-fi guy, but it's just like the most insane imaginative work I've ever read. Like this was way, 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 way before, like, you know, there was like the golden age of sci-fi. We had these like, you know, loose sci-fi formulas that like Asimov built and like people kind of replicated or derived from. This was just like such a crazy testament to like, you know, mankind's ability to imagine things. It, it completely changed, I don't know, my perspective on a lot of things. And there were just so many interesting ideas in there from, you know, God, the creative force is like an evolutionary being in and of itself, right? On its own journey, independent of us to just like this crazy imagination of like, you know, what could be out there amongst the stars in the cosmos. And and I loved it. It, it, it always really gripped me. Um, and then more recently, I'd say, like, you know, Leo Chishin's uh, The Three-Body Problem, that trilogy was just unbelievable. Like, as far as sci-fi or, like, speculative fiction goes, like, that was, I mean, the the range uh, of topics and the depth that he, you know, clearly sort of knew them in was just, was just mental. So I'd strongly recommend all of that. And then, yeah, obviously, the more, like, internet technology-focused ones, I, I still think, you know, Snow Crash, obviously, was just so mind-blowingly prophetic. Like, uh, to this day, I, I love that book. I try and read it, you know, every now and then. And then there's similar, like, tangential stuff, even things like, you know, Tea from an Empty Cup and Neuromancer and all those, all those classics. I love all of that stuff. They're always, always great fun. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, do you have a story that has shaped you in how you approach your work today? 
I don't know whether a story per se, it's hard to pick out like a single thing, right? Like, I don't know, had, I've had a pretty, pretty awesome ride the last few years. I think more so like a, a philosophy, perhaps like, I don't know, when I was sensing the imminence of crypto and ultimately decided to drop out, like my dad said to me, he was like, some, I mean, he always comes out with these stupid one-liners, but he said, hey, you can't catch the wave if you're not in the water. And that like, as an idea, as a philosophy is like, you know, I've, I've always stuck very true to that. Like, I think the best way to learn is by doing, by like jumping in with things. I think it's always easier, you know, critique ideas or be skeptical of them or negative of them, like versus, you know, thinking what if, like, you know, what, what could this stuff actually become? Like, where could this technology go? And so that's definitely always, always, you know, stuck with me. And then beyond that, you know, I've just been very, very fortunate to like always find sort of strong role models, like the investors that backed me when I dropped out were awesome. I learned loads from them. Like Jose, one of my business partners from the from the Delphi side, is like now one of my, you know, dearest friends in the whole world. Like I've I've learned loads from him. So, you know, Jens from Bitcraft, I'm I'm learning loads from about gaming. I've I've always uh yeah had, had strong role models as well and only find them by again like you know jumping in at the deep end and kind of kind of going for it. So I'd probably probably say that. Hey, final question. What's the best way for founders, people in the audience to to get in contact with you? Certainly through Twitter. I spend significant chunks of my life on Twitter at this stage. Just at Piers Kicks, and you can find me on there. Probably shit posting about stuff, but but yeah, that's that's where a lot of the the crypto world lives is Twitter and Telegram. So so yeah. Hey, thanks. This was so much fun, Piers. I'm gonna see you in London in a short while. Yeah, I look forward to it. We'll have to get a beer. But yeah, thank you for having me on. As I say, big fan of the podcast and excited about all the you know conversations you've been able to facilitate. I'm uh, hoping we see some more crypto stuff as the tide inevitably turns. Yeah, man, it's going to continue. All right, stay safe. See ya. You too. Thanks, Joachim. Thanks. Bye. If you like our content, please hit follow or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And in the meantime, please go and check out our website at EliteGameDevelopers.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter on what's happening in gaming startups. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.